0: Hi, welcome to the Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the coverage of the Derek Chauvin verdict. So, the whole country stopped as we all awaited the jury verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial in the killing of George Floyd. We all now know that Chauvin was found guilty on all counts. And it gives us an opportunity to look at how the case was covered and how it was covered differently in the national press and the mainstream press versus the local press and especially local Black reporters on the ground in Minneapolis. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Mel Reeves. Mel is the community editor, which is to say the editor of the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, which is the oldest Black newspaper in Minnesota around for 86 years. Mel, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I know um, from talking to uh, our producer that there's been a, you've done a ton of these interviews and I really appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about the Minnesota spokesman recorder. I know that it's been around for like 86 years, um, which is Mm -hmm. an incredible run for a local newspaper. Um, When did you start there?
1: Um, I've been there. um, Actually, I've, I've been there a few times. Um I was first editor in about 1991. Um and um uh, I was editor for a few years and then I stepped down. Um and but I stayed with the paper. I continued to work either as a freelancer or uh, assistant editor. So from about 91 to 2002 I uh I had a role at the paper. Um um I took the editorship again uh from 2000 to 2002. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I went back to doing a lot of the work that I do, um, a lot of my activism and writing and other stuff. And, um, um, the publisher asked me if I would take the job again about a year and a half ago. So.
0: And now you're the community editor. What does that mean?
1: I'm the editor. It's community editor is a nice word for saying, reminding folks that we're a community newspaper.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. You, you said that, um, in one of the periods where. Where you stepped down to do your other work, um, you 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 describe yourself as an activist, and that's what you do in addition to running the newspaper. And there's something really interesting I noticed in the coverage that I read, um, which by the way um, I thought was like really impressive um, and and thorough and and um, really got down into the community. And and one of the things I noticed about the coverage in your newspaper that I that I haven't read in the coverage of the killing of George Floyd or in the Chauvin trial was that you really quote activists a lot. You quote, you know, people involved in the community, people who are on Facebook, who are sort of involved. And, and I, and I see like some of the national coverage and it tends to sort of skew towards elected officials or family members, which I, which I understand, but not so much activists on the ground. Um, I wondered if you'd notice that and, you know, if you could talk about how you approach, you know, who gets into these stories.
1: Well, I think to be fair to some of the mainstream press, there's some stories where they did a really good job of talking to people on the street. No. Um, so that's, that's not quite accurate. Uh, I think I've read stories in the post uh, the times and, and the star tribune where they have pretty much talked to people on the street. So they, they, they do it as well. Um, mm. um, I try to talk to the people involved in actually organizing. And, and so, and also do a, uh, tried to mix it up uh, because those are the people who we run into, and uh, you know, depends on the story. Uh, try to give people an idea of who was there and and whose voice kind of mattered in the situation. It's it's a little tricky, uh, but it's not that different than with mainstream press. It does. Uh, I try to center more of the families uh, uh, because families mm-hmm. organize a lot of the protests, and I, I I really try to get, help people understand. The importance of the families who lost uh, uh, who lost uh, uh, loved ones to uh, police violence, because they pretty much have taken the lead in, uh, in in the struggle to get justice for George Floyd and Dante Wright, and, as well as their family members. Um, so I centered them quite a bit, if you notice, um, mm-hmm. and I talked to the activists. So I, I talked to those folks who have been in the struggle kind of for the longest. So you'll notice that um, have been for family members, but also, uh, you know, and talking about, I, in fact, I even did a piece on the press conference that the rest of the press kind of took little p- bits and pieces of it, but I kind of focused on their press conferences a little more because, um, I wanted people to understand that this is a broader issue because the, the families were able to talk about, you know, uh, the person, their loved one who was killed by police who may not have gotten as much no, you know, notoriety as, you know, you know, the more, um, you know, commonly known names. So, um, so that's what we're trying to do. Um, just trying to do a little bit of it all to give people a sense of, of what was going on. And, and depending on what I'm trying to do, like some stories, you know, uh, where I quoted, uh, some of the activists who've been doing work for quite a while. And I thought their voices mattered because they would actually been in, you know, they have been involved and in actually helping organize. So, um, yeah, depending on what we're trying to talk about, uh, who I actually uh, quoted. So. What's been the response of
0: your <clears throat> your readers over the last few weeks? I mean, do you, what's what's happened to your readership, and what have you seen? Has there been a ton of engagement in terms of comments and calls, and and any you know what, what, how how have you seen your readers respond?
1: Well, we don't, you know, um, I don't know how to. I mean, we we've. Probably quadrupled, probably more than that. Uh, our readership over the last uh, two months, our mm-hmm. readership has been growing. And and I'm not the person to talk to about those numbers. The I uh, have to talked to the online editor. Mm-hmm. I I don't know the numbers. Uh, they tell me sometimes, but I don't remember them. Um, mm-hmm. But I do know um, that you know since the epidemic. So you know we have we're a little bit of a different paper. We have people who we we have a really small staff, but we have folks who have a lot of life experience. Um, and who have some background, um, um, I, and it's kind of difficult to explain, but we've had a lot of life experience, a lot of time spent in the black community. Uh, we've got folks who like myself, who've spent time working on political issues and from an activist perspective and social issues and, you know, working on racism. We have folks who are very aware of what's going on in our world. So it helps us, you know, even when our one of our older freelancers, uh, even, you know, he adds to that. Um, and so that it, it helps us to tell the stories probably a little deeper and, and get right to things that affect the Black. So uh, you know, our readership really started to go up after the uh, after George Floyd was killed. We we really, uh, but before that, when the pandemic hit, what uh, about a month or two before George Floyd was killed, uh, really hit in April, right? March, April. Anyway, we we began to tell stories and and, and began to expose the fact that the the uh, uh, you know the uh, COVID virus was affecting the black people, black people disproportionately. We were able to get out in front of that. We probably exposed that probably faster than most other people. Some of the mainstream press started to do it, but we really uh, talked about it and and talked to experts and and got in depth. And we were able because we're located here in Minneapolis, where uh, the University of Minnesota um, has a school for infectious diseases. um, And that gave us, you know, a little bit of leg up. And then Mayo Clinic is here. You know, they had a lot of experts here. So we were actually able to interview them. So mm-hmm. our readership has started to go up since since really uh, COVID because we were mm-hmm. able to really, really inform people. We have some neat unique things to offer. We have a uh, um a health page and on that health page we have, you know, real life doctors, primarily African American doctors, who are talking about, you know, the latest developments and uh, you know, they're they're giving people health advice and you know, medical advice, you know, not you know, medical advice per se, but things you can do to be healthier. So so we've had that 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 uh, angle that I think uh, people are drawn to. So we, we've we been, our readership has been climbing since then and then when George Floyd was murdered, uh, we we're right down the street. You know, our, our our publication is located on 38th Street and 4th Avenue, uh, near the corner of 38th and 4th. And uh, George Floyd was killed on the corner, near the corner of 30, uh, 38th Street and Chicago Avenue. And if you know Minneapolis, that's literally only about four blocks or five blocks away. Mm-hmm. Um, and those aren't whole blocks. That's like, you know, if you walk West, you know, those intersections, uh, so it's not whole blocks, but anyway, we're close. And so the closest proximity kind of helped us to get down there and, 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 and get some of the stories. We didn't get it all, but we, we've we got a good We, we were able to give people a good sense of what was going on. And so we were able to follow that, cover that pretty well. And, and in between we've covered everything. So, so our readership has been climbing because people recognize that we offer uh we are small, but we offer I think what we do very well uh is we offer, you know, really, really good uh we get to the hardest stuff and we offer good analysis. We 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 don't waste time with information you might get out of the dailies. We try to give you information you may not get out of the dailies and, and take that and even information that may be put uh being broadcast regularly. We try to give you a little bit more. And I um uh, and, and also, you know, so we're talking to a different audience as well. So our readership is primarily black, people of color. Uh, but we have uh, a significant number of whites who I think are liberal to progressive who are interested in hearing things from a more progressive and, um, and, and, per- uh, um, and person of color, uh, working class person of color perspective, I guess.
0: Yeah, what, what you said about who, you, who your contributors are, you said that, you know, you go for people who have real life experience. Um, and I think I understand what you mean by that. But talk a little bit about, uh, more about that. Who who are some of these people, and what is that experience that you're that you're referring to?
1: I take whoever can, whoever's literate and can write a news story, uh yeah. walk in the door and and has some experience with that community. That's what we do. We we've lost a lot of writers. In fact, one of our best writers, we trained. Uh, we had an intern that came in, Abdullah Ajasa. She's won some national awards. Uh, she's won. Uh, she's still in college, and she's she's won like. Um, two really prestigious uh, awards.
0: The reason I ask you that question is that I see I see this in other local newspapers around the country, not just black newspapers, but local papers who who value sort of um, people's history in the community. They value their knowledge more than they value where they went to school, what where they worked before, whatever. And I think it's a flaw in the in the national press not to be more cognizant of this? And that's why I ask because I, I, I think it's important. And I think it's an important distinction um, that a newspaper like yours can offer.
1: Well, obviously, you know, if you're gonna write for a black newspaper, you should have some experience in the black community or kind of know yeah. something about black people. That That's just a yeah. no-brainer.
0: And yet, you know, there are news national outlets that send people to cover cases like this um, who don't know much about the black community. Let me ask you about a couple of things I noticed in your coverage that I thought were particularly interesting because they were not um, they were not what I'm reading um, in the rest of the press. Um, one of the things that you wrote about was the level of preparation um, that the that the city um, started building up before before the Chauvin trial and and obviously before the verdict and. Um, and you wrote a piece that was called "Fortress Minneapolis," um, and it and it talked about these kind of like this boarding up and these fences and these barriers as sort of violence bait, um, which I thought was like a really um, profound way to think about this. And again, like not something I've read elsewhere. Um, could you talk a, a, about how 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 you Came to that, and just like how you sort of saw that.
1: Well, you know, as I've told you, I, I I've come to this work as an activist. So before they asked me to do the work, uh, to, to take on the editorship, you know, the community editorship, for lack of a better word. Uh, um, uh, we uh, I had spent a lot of time working on, you know, um, racism and discrimination, you know, in the workplace. Uh, you know, uh, racism in different places, the housing issues. And there are lots of stuff and obviously and police violence. I've been working on police violence in the twin cities and other places, uh, since pretty much 19, a little before 1990, right? 19. Yeah. Right around 19 when Tysel Nelson. Uh, so I bring that to the table. So, um, uh, so I see things through an activist te- uh, lens on some level. So through a social political kind of, uh, lens that's a little different from other folks, uh, And so uh, when the city um, prepared for the trial with barbed wire and and razor wire and fences and that kind of thing, it seemed to me that they were projecting onto the community. The community was violent. And, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. they could point back to the uprising, the days after George Floyd was was murdered. Uh, But even that is a little cynical when you think about what actually happened, that certain things could have been done differently actually to keep that from happening. But that's another story. Uh, but mm-hmm. George Floyd had been killed by Derek Chauvin, not the reverse. So the city, the city's employee had killed a citizen,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: the reverse. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is that it, it's the community that was violent, and not the city. The city was violent, and their preparations sent the message, to try to flip the script. You know, it's like a psychological way of, of flipping the script, saying that oh no, well you know the community is so dangerous. It's like no the city has armed bodies of men and women that are quite dangerous (laughs) and says one of the one of my uh, my activist friends that said that if if you want to deal with protect us against violence you should put the fence around the police station (laughs) um and so and also when i talk about violence baiting it's kind of like you know red baiting Mm -hmm. and the idea is to say that you know the, the other piece of that was uh, the other thing that I was making a point of when I said violence we I was making a point that anybody that uh um uh, they were trying to paint anybody that was that was uh fighting for justice or really wanted to see Derek Chauvin go to jail on some level, it's like uh you're not legitimate because you took part or the, the protest turned violent. So it's another way of also saying that the community's de- they're very subtly saying that the community's demands were not legitimate because some people have been violent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The other piece that you wrote that stood out to me, um, in w- it was a day that uh, the police chief was testifying, um, and you had a piece, the headline was, Chief Describes an MPD Unrecognizable to Many Minneapolis Blacks, and you made this point that has been I've, I've been thinking about um, the last few days as I've been watching the coverage of the verdict. You know there are some people that you know you you talk about this thin blue line and how the chief's testimony was seen by some in the mainstream press, especially as sort of breaking that line, as well as other people who said that Chauvin broke the department rules. Your point is that then then you say that um, actually the the officers testifying aren't street officers but police management, and that there's a sense that. Chauvin was sort of thrown under the bus to save the police department, right? Um, right. That, that's your. That, that's what you are saying. Yeah. Um, which, which I think is really important because that notion that that this was somehow notable because um, you know this thin blue line was broken, <clears throat> you know, doesn't take into account that they were basically trying to save the system by throwing this guy out, right? Right. Um, and then you quote um again an activist who has been maintaining the george floyd square i know you haven't had a ton of time to read um a lot of the national press i assume you haven't because you've been doing all this work but do you ha- have you have you noticed is there anything you can say about like what some of these other outlets should be could be doing better
1: You know, Kyle, I I don't spend time doing that Um, That's because it's a waste of my time (laughs) because I've got to put out from my perspective and back to that story. So, um, you know, I was uh, uh, part of uh, the, the pool uh that was able to go into the courtroom so i was able to meet some of the reporters from around the country and i was part of that that whole pool thing so i I thought that a lot of reporters try to do their best i mean the problem they have is their institutions a lot of them don't recognize that you know their institutions are not objective and they have an axe Mm -hmm. they want to grind they have a position Mm -hmm. that they want to hold on to in the world right and and that is the status quo um um and so i the thin blue, blue line thing came as a result of i had kind of uh you Know kind of peruse the uh headlines of some other of papers, so you know, I while this was going on, I, I was able to see headlines and I did read some of the local coverage and a little bit uh every once in a while and some of the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times. So I did look at some, not necessarily deeply, but I saw that come across a few times the whole thin blue line thing. So, uh, I wanted to address it because it wasn't it's, it's not accurate. The street offers are, are not turning, we see see what they're saying, if, if that was true, you'd have a chance to really kind of disrupt what the police are doing on the street. If they felt like, okay, enough is enough, you know, uh, hey, John, you got to stop beating that guy. You know, in fact, I, I'm going to tell on you. And so if that began to happen, then some changes would occur, right, uh, in the departments uh, on some level that people felt asleep, like, and that whole thing about good cops and, uh, and, and bad cops would be real, but it's not real. and so. Uh, The mainstream press, not necessarily the reporters, though they play a role in it sometimes, you know, has an interest in maintaining things as they are. They want to see change, but, you know, it's not not interested in drastic change. Uh, Whereas, you know, in our community, some people aren't interested in drastic change either. But for the most part, we want to see whatever's going on that's wrong stop kind of by any means necessary so that we don't have any uh, need to uh, um, uh, talk about this in terms that aren't true. Um, you know, we know that Derek Sherwin is not an aberration. And I know some of the mainstream press wants to kind of paint him as, you know, an aberration. And and that's consistent with saying that, oh, the thin blue line has been broken. You know, that's not true. None of that. None of that's true. Um, And that's consistent with they're saying that the thin blue, because they want to promote to people that, hey, things are getting this. This has national attention, uh, international attention. So they want to promote the idea that there's been progress and and we don't want to promote the idea that there's been progress when there's been no real progress. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a subtle thing, but it's not something I'm interested in. And I just talked about me uh, as the editor, of, you know, I'm not interested in promoting an idea that's not true I'm talking about getting people's hopes up or, you know, uh, you know, for people reading the mainstream paper who are think about where they're coming from politically, they're moderate to liberal to conservative, you know, that makes them feel feel better oh wow you know we've got the blue the thin blue line that's been broached well that's not accurate and, and it doesn't do anything for us and you know it gives them hope and people go run around saying yes we've made progress we we, we've, we've uh you know Derek Chauvin was convicted yay you know all is well and it's just not true uh and so that's 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 the difference so i'm trying to put out as much truth as i possibly can and 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 and, and you know not not repeat any lines that aren't necessarily accurate. You know, that it may have some accuracy to them, but if we can go deeper, you know, go deeper. So we don't want to promote the idea that blue, the blue line has been crossed because it hasn't been crossed. We, we don't want to promote the idea that this is the aberration because it's not an aberration. We don't want to promote the idea that uh, that the, uh, uh, the, the, the conviction of Derek Chauvin is more than what it was, the conviction of Derek Chauvin. It's not. It, it, it's it's not a sign that the police departments in the United States have changed, because the the very day that he was convicted, uh, you know, somebody was shot by the police. Uh, the day after that, today somebody's probably going to be shot. And then there's been lawsuits popping up every day from things that happened over the last years. We have a problem in this country, and so we we don't want to soft shoe it. We don't want to pretend that it's not the problem. We don't want to play it down. Playing it down won't won't help us at all. Uh, you know. Police violence is an epidemic, you know, uh, and it's as it's, it's evidenced by most rallies you come and so see. We have some unique things that happen here in Minneapolis as well. I we want to tell those stories. That's why you see you be quoting those families because they're leading this fight because they're they are living proof and evidence that this is a problem. They have lost loved ones to police violence. You can't deny their reality. You know, their moral authority. You can't say, oh, the problem's not that big. Well, there's thousands of these people running around here. Right, all over the country, uh, that have they can tell you, yeah, we lost a loved one to to police violence. That's a lot of folks, you see, and that keeps that's that keeps it real. It's this is a real problem. It's not just a problem. George Floyd got killed, the Breonna, this is a deep deep going problem. And then we're just talking about the people, uh, the tip of the iceberg. People just killed. We're not talking about folks who are maimed and paralyzed like Jacob Blake and. Uh, You know, you got to put things in context. While Derek Sherwin's trial was just starting, Jacob Blake's shooter was let off. Um, So we have a different perspective. We've not made a lot of progress. Any progress that was made, in fact, I'm trying to write that today, uh, was made by the people, the people's determination to stay in the streets until the system did what it was supposed to do. But think about that, Kyle, how crazy that is. So in order for us to get justice, we have to go th- use extra legal uh, means in order to get the system to do the right thing. Um, so you know we, we don't we don't we're not sitting in the seats that the other folks are, and I don't like to compare myself to the mainstream press. I make fun of them, I I, I criticize them, but <laughs> I don't have time to sit and talk about what they're not doing. We know what they're not doing. <laughs> it's a waste of my time to talk about it. You know, I, I'll talk about it when they throw something out, and we'll take something like the blue, blue lion idea. We'll take mm-hmm. an idea they and analyze it and and criticize it, you know what I'm saying? Or point out where it's wrong. But uh geez, i was spending we you know, they have a goal, you know, their their purpose is on some level because, you know, they're a business. People forget forget this. They, they are a business. So they're gonna do certain things, you know. They they expose stories on time to time, from time to time, they do some really good work, but, and then other times they get it wrong. And sometimes they get it wrong because they're intentionally getting it wrong because, again, they have an interest to maintain. And that is the status quo. You know, as I tell everybody, uh, in fact, every once in a while I get a chance to talk to journalism students at different, at different places. And uh, I always point out the first thing I say to, folk, to the classes is that, well, there's no such thing as objective journalism. There's no human being that's objective. You know, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. I don't pretend to be objective. I try to tell the truth. I try to put out as many facts as I can and it, it, that you decide, but we have a perspective we are coming from the under underside of things right from the underrepresented that's who we represent the underrepresented the folks who are catching you know uh, uh hell so to speak you know the people who are oppressed and downtrodden in this society people who are underrepresented that's that's the perspective we come from we write from a come uh, a black middle class uh you know a poor uh, perspective. And so we, that, that's what's going on with them. And so we tell that story. And so that's, that's where we're coming from. We don't pretend to be objective. We tell it from that perspective. Mel, it's been great to talk to you. Well,
0: thank you. Thank thank you so much. So you can read our ongoing coverage of the Chauvin verdict and the death of Dante Wright and the ongoing effort to reform. Uh, the police around the country at cgr.org. You can also read an extended interview with Mel Reeves um, on our website and follow what we do in our daily email newsletter, The Media Today. Thanks for listening. See you next week.